You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Lanker, and I'm here to help you connect the dots. As a pastor and professor for the last 30 years, I want to help you not only understand the Christian faith, but to make it a transformative part of your everyday experience. As we talked about in our last lesson, salvation is much bigger than most of us inside the Christian church realize. It's quite comprehensive. Not only is God at work with our work to, to be able to set us free and to heal us and to make things new, but his salvation touches all of time. In, in Ephesians 2.8, and many of us are familiar with this passage, it says, but you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not by works. That's a past salvation, and, and that past salvation, and we'll spend more time talking about this later, is what's often referred to in theological terms as justification. That's mentioned in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says that, hey, now that we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the past has been saved. It has been taken care of. It has been healed. We've been set free from that. And we're going to need to unpack that a whole lot more because that has some huge implications into how we live our life. But salvation doesn't just touch our past. It also impacts our present. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and it says, for those of you who are being saved, and, and oftentimes we don't think about our being saved, how that we are being set free and delivered within this moment, that we are being made whole in this moment. Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, uses the theological term there that's talked about our present salvation when he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. It's not complete. It's, it's not all done, but he's going to save you in this present. He's going to make it more and more full in your life. And this is the progressive aspect of salvation, the part of salvation that we live in and through in our day-to-day. Not only does salvation touch our past and set us free from all those things back there, not only is God working goodness into this very moment, but he also has plans for our future. In in Romans chapter 5, just a little bit further after he brought up the concept of justification in verse 9, he goes ahead and he says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved. And this future salvation, Paul brings up probably best in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, when he says this, he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, in verse 17, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Now, we'll unpack this a whole lot more in future lessons. But the the theological term for future salvation is glorification, that, that, that somehow 
our beings, as, as we look into, as we engage with the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit, that our, our lives begin to tell his story, and it begins to just impact not only us, but the world around us. And it begins to bring us hope that in the end, God is going to make everything the way that it's supposed to be. So, so God's salvation is so comprehensive, it touches the past, the present, and the future. And it touches so much more than we could ever even imagine. Most of the time when we talk about salvation, we say, you know what, I have been saved. What an incredible thing. And, and if you have been, then it is an incredible thing. But that salvation is so rich. In, in chapter 5 of Romans, it's just a rich passage if you want to study and jump into it a little bit more. Right after he says that we've been justified, it says this in verse 2, Through whom, through this Lord Jesus Christ, we have also obtained an introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, we know also that our tribulations, that those will bring about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. We can go throughout scripture, and I'm just giving us a summary here from chapter 5. Our spiritual rebirth leads to an emotional experience of peace, hope, and love that leads quickly to a healing of our cognitive mind, that we begin to know God's will, that we know what he wants us to do, why he's made us, why he's called us. It, it impacts, as we talked about before, our physical beings. Literally, people see, people walk again. And finally, it, it impacts our entire character so that we begin to exhibit what, what's often called the fruit of the Spirit. We have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Who doesn't want those things? And those are all a result of God's salvific work, his work to make everything in our past, our present, and our future all good. Not only that, he does not want to stop there. If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, hey, you know what? He didn't just save you for you. He has made you a minister of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is a good work. God has done this work in certain individuals where he's beginning to work kind of from the inside out. It's beginning to be like the Old Testament salvation that it's beginning to have physical impact. And as it has physical impact, as we become new creations, as it says just a few verses before that in verse 17, as we become these new people, it's not just for me. It's for us and the us's who are even outside the Christian faith that people would see that God can do incredible stuff in us and through us. And if that weren't enough, Paul in Romans chapter 8 says, God didn't just save you for you. He saved you for us and he saved us for even more than that. In verse 18 of chapter 8, he says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that's to be revealed to us for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Paul says this incredible work that God started that he works from the inside out is not just for you, not just for us. It is literally for all of creation, for the moon, for the stars, for the trees, for the animals. Everything that God has created, he wants to restore. He wants to make whole. He wants to fit the whole system back together the way that it was supposed to be. And and that should kind of ring true here, because if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, God makes his, his creation, and in that kind of pentultimate moment, he creates man and woman, and he says, you're going to watch over my creation. You're going to take care of it. It's going to stay good. It's, it's going to be the best that it could possibly be. And in our rebellion, when we choose not to live in God's world, taking care of things the way he wants it taken care of, the whole thing gets messed up because of us. So if he's going to bring salvation to us, it's going to impact all the things that we should have been doing right in the first place. This is a great salvation. This is a good work of God. And because of our kind of Western mindset, here's the last thing that I want to highlight for us. And the place that I want to turn is in Colossians chapter 1. And and this is going to catch a lot of us off guard because we don't think of the world in this way. But as soon as Paul says this, it, it should make some connection with you. In verse 15 of chapter 1, it says, He's the image, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. When God made everything, he literally made everything. It is not just the physical world that has been made by his great plans and by his mighty word. It is because of his plans that literally everything seen and unseen has been been created by him and for him. And this is what's really interesting here in verse 19. You skip a little bit ahead. It says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Whoa, that should incredibly catch us off guard. Most of the time when we talk about salvation, we talk about God going ahead and saving me. And in fact, one of the most regular verses that is used to be able to talk about God's great salvation is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we're taught from very early on, I want you at this moment, I want you to insert your name in there. Well, as personal as God's salvation is and can be, That's not what the text says. The text doesn't say he came to save Jason. It says that he came to save the world. And the word there is literally the word cosmos. And this is exactly what Paul's saying in Colossians 1. He came to save the cosmos. 
the entire creation, things seen and unseen. How unbelievable is that? And not only that, but he starts with us. The ones who began this rebellion are the same ones he will use to start his restoration. Wow. What a shift of perspective. God has come to save you and me, and not just save our soul, but to save every part of us. And as he does, to impact and to save, to heal, to set free the people and the creation, the things around us, and the things around us that are so large that they touch into the unseen realm that we have no idea to the fullness of. That is a great salvation. And to that great salvation, I want to offer you a question. And this is the question. What is salvation? From what we've seen from the biblical account, and it's just grand nature, write down a definition. Write it down so think about it. And we'll talk about that the next time. What is salvation? And what impact does that have on our everyday living? If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you'd like more information, please visit us at drjasonlanker.com. That's D-R-Jason-L-A-N-K-E-R. May you go in the grace of God, and may you not just understand the Christian faith, but live it more fully this week.